Welcome back to the Sharpen Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the American Alpine Club and sponsored by Mammut. Designed and developed in the Swiss Alps, Mammut has been making the finest alpine equipment since the 1860s. Driven by a continuous quest for innovation, Mammut's technical clothing, footwear, climbing gear, avalanche safety, and alpine equipment are distinguished by the highest quality, functionality, and safety. They embody Swiss technology and perfection. Mammut, absolute alpine. Thank you to the Colorado Hour Bound School and Sunto for the additional support. Thank you so much to Brian, John, Bethany, Callie, Patty, Bob, Claire, Ross, and Jennifer for personally donating to this podcast. Donations like yours are helping me maintain this podcast. So if you want to donate, anything helps. Head to the American Alpine Club's website, click donate, and select the Sharp End podcast. Contributing to things that value are important and they help sustain these projects. So speaking of opportunities, the Responder Alliance is a newer nonprofit that centers around stress injuries and psychological first aid. These are pretty hot topics right now. There are resources that are becoming more available to support those folks who may have a stress injury. And the Responder Alliance is one of those resources. I'm a huge supporter of what they're doing, so check this out. Episode 34 of The Sharp End featured Laura McGladry of the Responder Alliance. If you found the topic compelling, Responder Alliance is now accepting applications for their 2019 Ambassadors Summit and training. Ambassadors serve as spokespeople for stress injury recognition and prevention. While the training is geared specifically toward responder communities, we encourage anyone with a connection to a community that experiences stress injuries to apply. For more information or to download the application, visit them at responderalliance.com or through their Facebook page. Applications are due by June 28th at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Let's talk about helmets. In 2015, the American Alpine Club teamed up with Petzl to share stories about helmets preventing injuries at the crags. And if you look back at those stories, they're very compelling. Today, I talk with Casey Brown, who will tell you to wear a helmet every time you climb. Casey is currently living in Missoula, Montana for nursing school. He's been climbing since May of 2013. He was an outdoor guide, worked as a climbing gym instructor, and in 2014, he took his wilderness first responder course. I'd like to welcome Casey to the show. My name's Casey Brown. Um, I'm 35 years old. I'm living right now in Missoula, Montana for nursing school. So this was spring uh, this year. It was actually like Earth Day. So it was uh, April 22nd. Of 2019. Yeah. So. About a month ago. At this a time. month ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, and where were you? So uh, my friend and I went out to a place called Rattler Gulch, um, which is in like kind of between Missoula and the Rockies. Um, it's a limestone crag of single pitch stuff. I mean, I guess a lot of Montana is sport uh, climbing due to the rock quality and just the type of rock that's around here. And there were a couple things that happened um, as we were coming up to the crag. First of all, as we pulled in, we saw a couple pretty large birds of prey like fly in and settle on the buttress that is part of the climbing area. 
And so I was just kind of like, oh, maybe we shouldn't climb around that. And then some of the, there were a couple routes that were getting re-glued, uh, their bolts re-glued and kind of updating the gear there. And so that was out. And there were some areas that we had climbed before, uh, like a few weeks before that, but we just looked at them and said, eh, like, do we want to do that or do we want a little bit of an adventure? And uh, we kind of chose the adventure part. Um, and so uh, the adventure part was just like a, a few, like, I mean, I, I couldn't really see the top of this thing, but it looked like there were some trees that you could sling at the top of this low fifth, like rampy ledge. Uh, system that was definitely not climbed in the recent memory, but I saw some spots that you could place some gear. And so I said, um, this is, looks well within my ability. Um, and my partner, Chris, said that it was cool with him if we tried. He was just looking to learn something. And it I had climbed similar terrain countless times in the Cascades. Um, so I, I mean, we geared up, I like brought the entire, like, I think it was like a, a rack and a half and I was roped up for it cause I was confident, but I was also like, well, it's just been kind of the freeze thaw cycle here in the Rockies. And I mean, I'm not that confident that I could like just solo this on my own, even if it's totally within my, my uh, abilities. So um, did our safety checks. He was not wearing a helmet. I was wearing a helmet. Um, yeah. I started climbing maybe about 12 feet up. I put a little yellow master cam um, and it was kind of in line. So I just, um, put like a quick draw on it for extension and then got up another 12 or 15 feet, still climbing these like rampy, lichen-y low fifth moves, um, on like maybe like fourth and fifth class terrain. And, uh, meanwhile, testing every single hold I put my hands and feet on. And like my partner said later, he's like, I was really impressed by how you were testing everything. And I've just climbed way too much that has looked okay. And then come off, um, as I'm like getting ready to wait, wait it, that I'm like, not ever very sure about anything. So I just wanted to be super sure on this route. And, and you're testing things because like, I just, you just mentioned it's a super lichen-y route. So, uh, it's likely that, um, it hasn't been climbed hardly ever, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So you're testing pieces because you're like, mm, this could fail. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it okay. all looked solid, but I just didn't want to take any chances with it. Um, right. Yeah. So how are you testing? How are you testing the, the rock? Um, I was kicking it and I was like using the heel of my hand to really just pound on spots before putting my my hand even on these what looked like solid 
um, limestone. It's kind of like pitted and a little bit sharp. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't like super covered in lichen and moss. So it wasn't like I couldn't see the rock in this part. But um, yeah, I just wanted to make super sure as I was going up that I wasn't going to like wait something that was going to come off on me. Okay. And and then what, so when you're testing the rock on your way up, you're hitting at the heel of your hand and you're kicking it. Are you, what exactly is that doing? Are you, are you listening to the sound of the rock? Are you just seeing if anything moves or, or all of the above? Uh, yeah. I'm, so when I'm doing that, I'm looking to see if there's any movement um, of that piece or the surrounding rock. And I'm making sure that nothing sounds hollow um, or like crumbles. Uh, like if it's, if there are those little like pits and stuff, I just want to make sure that I'm really kind of using more force than I would be using to like press down and climb up on these, what looks like a semi-solid rock. So okay. yeah, I was just, I mean, yeah, I was just trying to use all of my senses on these things and just make sure that I wasn't going to, you know, drop something on my partner was what I was worried about. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah so, um, I guess I had put that first piece in kind of a small finger piece in this horizontal crack down low, about 12 feet up and then, um, slung a tree that was maybe like three to four inches around and looked pretty solid um, as far as, okay, again, testing it, you know, like banging on this tree, seeing if any of the roots move, seeing if I can see any roots. Does it look like those are into dirt or if they, they're under rocks or like what is, what is holding that little tree on there? Um, I wouldn't like probably ideally use it as a belay anchor, but this was just a one piece of protection on this route. But as high as I was, it was essentially my only piece at this time. So I'm probably like 20 feet up about here. And um, so I climb above it, kind of like scoping out my route and making sure that I'm not going to a place where I can't find anything to protect it because then I have to down climb this crappy rock and I didn't know what that would be like. Um, but I saw another little tree higher that I thought I could use and kind of came to this like another ledge and there was like a fairly fourth class move up this like maybe half a fridge size block. Um, so half a fridge, like if you took a, a fridge and cut it vertically, like one side of that would be the kind of shape and, and size that we're looking at. So you can put your hands, like I could put my hands a little bit above my head and get to the top of this thing. And so with that, it looked like it was less stuck together than the, the other parts of this route that I had been climbing. And um, 
I mean, this could be just hindsight, but there's that feeling, that gut feeling that a lot of people talk about with like, oh, that just didn't feel right. I would say that like in the moment I was wary of it, but I ended up using it anyway. And um, as I'm standing below it, I like really, really beat on the two spots that I was going to put my hands and I saw no movement, but they look kind of like, this was like the iffiest part of this route so far. And, but it didn't move. And (laughs) I, uh, I put my hands on it and I kind of like did the little hop where you, you're going to bring your head up above the thing that you're getting on to and then I'd mantle up but as my head had cleared it and I was looking back I saw maybe like a foot and a half back um, where it met the wall above it and uh, then the whole thing kind of was just held together by dirt and um, those pieces that had or the the two handholds that had not moved when I was pulling myself up there. Um, And the whole thing just kind of crumbled apart. Was it, was it like a giant flake or, or Mm. was it just a detached piece of rock? Um, from below, it looked semi-solid, and it looked like like pretty much that size that I had talked about earlier, like that half fridge. And it looked like it would maybe be solid, maybe not, mm-hmm. um, but it came totally apart, so it wasn't like there were 50-pound um, rocks that were coming down after me. But at this point, uh, it came apart, and I ended up just giving a yell and starting a tumble down this like low fifth um, ledgy, <laughs> sharp ledgy system. So if it were a harder route and this happened, I would have just maybe scraped a little bit. But since this was lo- so low angle, I ended up tumbling the like maybe 12 feet to that piece and then you know going the other 12 feet of my rope and then having that rope stretch I ended up hanging even with my belayer were rocks falling on your belayer um no he was a little so this was like a a little bit of a steeper slope uh, a dirty slope um and he was a little bit uphill and not in the fall line of these rocks. And I had made a little comment earlier, like, hey, stand a little bit uphill so that if anything comes off, it doesn't hit you. But um, you guys, t- you guys actually talked about that before you started the climb. Uh, I said it as I was placing that first piece. Yeah. Well, so well, that's great. That's great for us. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> if you're that paranoid about things all the time, then it's always great foresight when something bad does happen. But uh, yeah, I had kind of like told him to get out of that direct fall line um, and that he could move around as the belayer so that he could manage the rope and also manage his safety 
at the same time. But I fell downhill, kind of tumbled down this ramp. Um, and had like did ass over tea kettle really the whole way down. It was just like a moment where it was like, Oh, okay, well this is it. This is like a long fall. And I did not expect that at all. And, uh, I, maybe I'm going to die. I don't know. So it just felt kind of weird in that moment where it's just like a haze of dirt and stuff flying around me. So luckily it did not stay together and it didn't crush me or fall on me in any way. It just kind of blew apart that I know of. Um, yeah. And so my, my Blair had been watching and, um, he heard my yell and luckily he worked really quickly and took in a whole bunch of slack as I was falling. And um, I was dangling like maybe of two, two and a half feet above the deck and had ripped all of my clothing up. My helmet was broken on the back of my head. Um, and I was dangling like above a little stick that was like pointed at my, kind of at my kidneys. So that was lucky that I didn't fall just a little bit further. So you were hanging there two and a half feet above the mm-hmm. deck. Uh, you had a, a stick or a twig that was pointing toward your, towards your <laughs> yeah. lower abdomen. Um, yeah. And your, and your partner luckily caught you. Yeah. And you had a crack in your helmet? Yeah, the back of my helmet um, was like one of those just like foam with a, a plastic shield on top to like repel things that were falling like straight down onto you. And the back was just a foam and it, it broke apart on the fall. Yeah, so I was just hanging there and um, Chris came over and like kind of pulled me out of the way while lowering me so I didn't just like go down on that little stick that was kind of pointed at me and I knew pretty quickly that well my feet hurt um my knee hurt my hand really hurt um both hands were pretty hurt um but I kind of just like said okay that's happening what's up with my head that was kind of like the priority and uh what where am i <laughs> like okay great i'm on the ground now uh, this is dirt on below my feet we're still connected um and about this time um my partner came over and was trying to like just untie my knot cuz like my hand was not working as much as i usually like it to um, and I was like, no, 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 we, we got to just leave that right now. I'm just going to take my harness off right here. Cause whatever fell when I fell, there's probably not all of it. So, um, we should probably get out from below this. And so I just took my harness off there and started walking over to a, a point of safety on the scene. And as I did... 
Like out of the way from any more falling rocks. Yeah. Yeah. In case other rocks were going to fall down that route, then we wanted to be away from under it. So there was a spot maybe like 15, 20 feet out that was um, just dirt. It was like a good spot to just check everything over and do a quick assessment. And um, we could do it from safety there. So um, as we were walking away from <laughs> the crag or from the from the little the spot we had been, um, a little like fist sized rock came down and like as an after like as a farewell, like it just bounced off of the top of my helmet still that was still on. So felt immediately uh, reassured that that was a good thing to be walking away from below everything. It's so good that it, I mean, I I can't believe it hit you. It was insane. And not your part and not your part. I know. I know. Yeah. And like I said, he did not have a helmet on. I don't usually climb with people who don't have helmets, but I figure this is like kind of a different, there's a different culture out here in Montana that I'm used to. So going back, backpedaling just a little bit, how come, uh-huh. so you wait, so you're at the base of the climb, mm-hmm. your partner lowered you, and then why wasn't your hand working? Um, was it because of the adrenaline or did you scrape it up? Or So yeah, immediately felt the adrenaline going, but I had um, like a big kind of avulsion. It sort of degloved maybe like a, just bigger than a silver dollar part of my palm. And the other okay. hand was like, severely bruised um along the pinky and so it's just like my hands were not working quite as well as they usually do right you right your hands had some some lacerations some avulsions and some injury yeah Yeah. gotcha okay and then and that's why you decided to just take your harness off at the base of the climb instead of having your friend just untie you from the yeah he was fiddling with the knot and i was just like there we don't really have time to be messing with that so let's because the the knot was probably cinched pretty tight since you were hanging, <laughs> since you fell on it, and then you were hanging. Yeah, I took like a a thirty okay. ish foot fall onto it, and it was just like <laughs> this is not going to work. So let's move. I have to say that I'm pretty impressed that um, in the chaos and the stress of the accident, you were able to say, um, "Hey, let's move ourselves to um, a safe place and then assess the injuries." Uh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of impressed afterward looking back at how many things I did right. And I think it's just like a testament to all the training and like the critical thinking and rehashing near misses and stuff that I've done in the past. And I guess it it's kind of cool that it paid off even in just like that small or big way. Yeah. Yeah, so we, yeah, kind of moved over and um, I sat because I was like, I felt like all of the adrenaline that I've felt for a while. And I was just like, I don't feel like standing right now because I don't think it'll be effective to be assessing me while I'm just like shaking here. So took a seat. Um. And we just started checking me head to toe. Our concern real quick was that I had a head injury of some sort. Um, uh, But there was just a small puncture on the back of my head where the 
uh, helmet had broken. And um, later I'd find like a small goose egg on um, my left temple. But other than that, it was like pretty smooth sailing. I didn't have a headache. I didn't lose consciousness. I didn't have any vision changes. I wasn't getting irritable or like having a personality change or anything like that. Um, didn't become a dickhead. I think that's what it is. Um, uh, disoriented, irritable, and combative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we just kind of did a, a full assessment of scrapes and bruises and um, cuts. So I had like, <laughs> my arms were ripped up. My hand was ripped up. Um, I had a scrape, maybe like a you know, seven inch um, cut down my left torso and um, a huge bruise along my right thigh down to my my right ankle with tons of scrapes like my pants and shirt were like ripped to shreds it was pretty pretty funny later where I was like how did all of that happen so quickly um but my left heel was super bruised I didn't know that you could get bruised that much but also the my right the top of my foot at like that bony prominence there that got pretty bruised too I was worried that that was broken but it kind of looks like it's not at this point well, I, I mean, limestone, like any limestone, is not the friendliest or the most forgiving rock if you cheese grade down it. Yeah. That was the first time I'd actually cheese graded on anything. Everything else had been like pretty clear falls or just like brushing up something. And I don't know, like that was a cheese grader for sure. It, you need to go to Vudavu and then let's talk about cheese grading. Okay, so you guys did a full um, head to toe. You guys, um, you know, got got to skin level to see what other injuries you might have had. Um, yeah, and so and then what happens? Um, about this time, the guy who'd been regluing bolts down Crag had wandered up. It was actually one of the. It was Dave, one of the guys who had actually set the routes there. And he was like, what happened? What do you need? And I was just like, you have a first aid kit? Because by this time we had pulled mine out and it was like the most pathetic first aid kit. I was <laughs> That was like the most shameful thing of this whole thing. I was just like, what I thought was adequate up until now was like toilet paper and foam tape. And <laughs> that was about it. And I was like, like a quarter liter of water to rinse anything off. It was just like very uh, eye-opening at that point um, to have something that was just like not at all adequate. So luckily he had a little first aid kit with some gauze and he had a, a liter of water that I washed my hand off with. And the best part, he had some ski poles because this is a pretty steep descent or ascent on scree and dirt. And it's just like a really rough walk in and to be hobbling out 
on these feet that were like bruised or broken or whatever, it, it probably would have been very iffy to be able to like carry someone out safely if you had a team of rescuers go in there. So it was pretty lucky that he had a pair of ski poles with him that he let me borrow to like kind of hobble down crag and um, descend to the car. Probably like, I don't know, 200 or so vertical feet. Um, But yeah, we took the hour ride back to Missoula and it was kind of funny that um, we chose not to take me to the ER because we both kind of agreed that didn't seem like there was a head injury, but we're both aware that if something started happening that I would take, I would have somebody take me immediately to a hospital. Were your roommates checking on you? Yeah. Just told my roommates to check on me every two hours or so for a while. And then uh, woke up the next day and bruises were highlighted and things hurt. And yeah, ended up just getting a couple x-rays over the next few weeks of my foot to make sure that it wasn't broken. And um, I've been spreading the word that helmets are a good thing for lives. And to my knowledge, I've been directly referenced in, uh, in at least three people buying um, helmets around this area. And my, of course, my partner is also buying one. So, Do you think that that helmet saved your life? Yeah. I mean, at least mm-hmm. it made things less complicated. I wouldn't have walked out of there, I don't think, um, mm-hmm. if I hadn't had that thing on. And I probably, I don't know. It's tough to say what people can take and what they can survive. But I think that it- Well, your helmet was It cracked. was cracked. And- that's, that's, that's some impact. Yeah. I don't know if everybody would say it saved my life, but I think it saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. I think you wouldn't be talking to me right now if I hadn't been wearing it. And, you know, I think it's interesting that that you were wearing the helmet as a climber, but your belayer was not. And so often do we wear helmets, you know, you know that's normally the case. The climber wears the helmet, the belayer may, may choose not to. But really, you know, when, when I think about helmets, I think about protecting from rock, you know, rock fall from above, um, which in this instance is... is you know, it protected your head from falling down the the route and from a rock hitting you from above. True. Yeah. Weird, right? So, I mean, you just, usually would give your belayer yeah. the helmet for that reason, but I yeah, I mean when I go to sport climbs or sport crags, um, I see the climber usually wearing the helmet and I don't see the belayer normally wearing the helmet. But when I go to go to a gear climb or a multi-pitch, uh, multi-pitch route. Um, it's usually the blair wearing the helmet, not the climber. And, and sometimes it's mm-hmm. both, right? But um, it's just interesting who decides to wear the helmet when and what are we protecting our head from? I mean, it's such, like, helmets these days are comfortable. They breathe. They're, like, they're not, like, the most unfashionable thing in the world, like, it's totally worth it, in my opinion, to spend like 50 to a hundred bucks if you're gonna buy all this other stuff that keeps you safe too. Like buy thousands of dollars of of a rack 
or you buy like a harness and a, a fancy rope, like you might as well just put that helmet on too, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. If you could say one last thing to the listeners, what would what would it be? Get trained. I mean, I've made my future career one of going to nursing school and being a nurse and helping other people and um, taking a Wilfer class. That was amazing. That got me started on this. And it also gave me great tools to be able to help people that I love when I'm in the mountains with them. So kind of feel like training is the best thing you can bring second to a helmet to the crag or to any climb, alpine, skiing, avi. Like, I don't know. My my partners and I always debrief because that's what we've been taught. And that's what my medical training has also taught me. And to not feel ashamed of bringing um, your mistakes to light because you feel like other people might judge you. Because, you know, when we share this, like this podcast itself, it's like a great way to experience something without having to go through it and to be able to like process those near misses. Hopefully you can see those and make changes in the future that are going to keep you safer. Yeah. Get the knowledge and then protect the knowledge that's in your head. I think that Casey was really lucky and I'm glad to hear that he was wearing a helmet. I imagine talking to him if he wasn't wearing a helmet. So if you don't wear a helmet, ask yourself, why not? Is it because you can't afford it? Is it because it's not cool enough? Is it because it's just, ah, oh, one single pitch, I don't really need to wear a helmet? But really, really dig in. Why don't you wear a helmet if you don't? Thank you to Mammut for being the headlining sponsor. And thank you to the Colorado Howard Brown School and Sunto for being contributing sponsors. The Colorado Howard Brown School has been changing lives through challenge and discovery for more than 55 years. They offer wilderness expeditions in Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Alaska, and Ecuador. Courses range in 8 to 81 days in length for ages 12 plus and include backpacking, mountaineering, canyoneering, rafting, and rock climbing. Visit www.cobs.org to plan your next adventure. When you have your mind set on a certain goal or adventure, you want to make sure your watch can also go the distance. With up to 120 hours of continuous exercise tracking, the Sunto 9 is built to last just like you. It is also tested tough through hundreds of hours of military-grade testing and built with durability in mind. Join the American Alpine Club today for an exclusive discount on the Sunto 9. Until next time, play hard and be smart.